This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. Jim Harbaugh's in the NFL. Nick Saban retired. And, uh, well, Kalen DeVore was on his way out of Washington. All kinds of changes in college football this year. Let's start with why Jim Harbaugh's out of the NFL before we get to a spicy take from Danny Cannell. Adam Schefter on with Brock and Salk said, look, Michigan tried, but they couldn't give Harbaugh what the Chargers could. Michigan had an offer on the table to make him the highest paid coach in college football. And Michigan, though, could not offer him the chance to win a Super Bowl. And really, that's ultimately it. He would have loved to have stayed at Michigan. Michigan would have loved to have had him. But the fact of the matter is the Chargers give him the ability to compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, Danny Cannell is looking at the state of college football. And his take on it is not necessarily just that, you know, hey, it's a Chargers and Jim Harbaugh thing, but that it's a bigger issue with college football as a whole. Bump, he said, college football is losing its best coaches because there's zero structure. It's impossible to manage rosters, keep players from bolting, or have any say in who to pay but still have to worry about the NCAA. It's a joke. And if it doesn't get fixed soon, more will make the same jump. What do you think? I'm all about players getting paid. I'm all about it. But I read this. This is the realest stuff I've ever seen, honestly. Because what has been, what was the main attraction for college football it was, you got a guy for four to five years, uh, the loyalty to the program. I mean, these guys feel connected to their school colors, the student section, and all that is being lost, right? It could be better. It could be for worse. Now, if you're a head coach, year to year, you don't know who's going to be there. Your star receiver that just went for 1,100 yards could get pulled away the very next year by a booster down in Alabama because they're paying them more money. The more we watch college football change, the more it's looking like a professional league. So let's treat it that way. All right. If you want, and, and again, coaches, one of the attractions for coaches is that you have control. 18 to 22 year olds, you are in control. They have to go by your rules or you can get rid of them. So now if if this is what it is, if college football is turning into this, so just make these players sign contracts, two-year contract. Mm-hmm. Give us two years of your time. After two years, if you don't like it, go ahead and you can dip. Two years of your time and we'll pay you X amount of dollars. The more it looks like a professional league, the more you got to treat it that way because you are going to lose coaches because every year you don't know. NFL players can't just leave and say, all right, man, I, you know, I want to go to Dallas this year. I'm going to go to Dallas. No, you got to be released or you have to be traded, right? So at least in the NFL, there's more structure. You know who's going to be on your team for the most part. You know when he's going to be a free agent. Um, You know when you have to extend this guy. With college football, there's no control. It's madness right now. Again, I'm all for players getting their money, but how do you build a program if you're not the Michigans, Ohio State, Alabama's, the guys who can just reload? There has to be some type of stipulation that says you're here for X amount of years, but you still have the option to leave. I actually love that idea. I was thinking yesterday as we were responding to this question and kind of trying to, you know, think out loud in our emails. And I was like, okay, what's how did college football get to where it is? There's so much that I still love about this product. I genuinely loved watching my team season, but also loved watching a lot that happened around the league. I still like the product. We are seeing an unprecedented level of talent from certain position groups. There's questions about offensive line play, but we're seeing wide receivers more NFL ready than ever before. Uh, We're seeing quarterbacks do crazy things. So all kinds of stuff to still love about college football. 
But how did we get to this chaotic point where head coaches are bouncing and players are entering transfer portals and there's unprecedented levels of money? And I thought it came down to to three things, with the two big ones being not necessarily that payers are be, that players are being paid, but that the NCAA did not evolve along with a changing landscape. Mm-hmm. That the NCAA for far too long tried to stick with rules that were dated, rules that didn't recognize uh, the money that was being made by them as an organization and, and by their sport and by their product, and just was really stubborn about the cultural changes that were happening with with not just players but fans calling for payers to be played and for more money to 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 make college football more fair basically like hey you have this multi-million dollar product and players aren't getting anything but coaches are getting millions like this doesn't make any sense and the ncaa fought those lawsuits instead of deciding to get ahead of it and i wonder bump if and i was thinking like what would be something they could have done and i love that idea the idea of implementing contracts uh the idea of implementing like some kind of for lack of a better word, term limit on like when a player could be there or how long they had to be there. Like you could have had ways as an organization, the NCAA to evolve and come up with all kinds of solutions instead of spending decades fighting it. The other thing to me that's changing is just generation, just generational changes that this generation is different from generations past and that's okay. Um, But that there is going to be, people are more comfortable advocating for themselves. People are, uh, more comfortable seeking other opportunities when the ones that they don't have aren't there. You know what I mean? I think it's just mm-hmm. people are different. Yeah. Um, someone says 509, paying college athletes is ruining college football. I disagree. No. I think what Stacy just said, paying college athletes and not preparing for this is what's yeah, ruining college football. Not regulating football. it. You are not. You said, okay. All right, they've been beating down the door long enough. Let's just go ahead and pay them, okay? Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and pay them, mm-hmm. and let's just see what happens. Instead of saying, trying to get in front of things and saying, if we pay them, what are problems that might arise? Mm-hmm. If we open up this transfer portal, how do we get ahead of kids yep. bouncing from school to yes. school to school? Yes. They just were not prepared for this whole situation. They didn't plan ahead at so all. now what do you do? Stop wasting your dang time and get some regulations down. You've seen it. Now you, you've got data now. You got what two or three years of kids being able to do this. You're seeing how some some programs are crumbling. You're seeing how um, uh, some so the rich are getting richer. What do you do about it now? I'm not saying it has to be an even playing field. That Michigan gets the same resources as a Washington State. That's not real. All right. You're only as wealthy as your alumni are willing to put in that collective and pay these players. Okay. I understand all that, but you got to give these dudes some structure. When these kids go out into the real world, mm-hmm. all right. You keep bouncing from job to job. You're gonna be asking questions. Why are you leaving? This job. Why you leave that job? Now you become less attractive as a as an employee, right? Teach these kids life lessons now. That's part of the reason why you go to college. Part of the reason why you play football because you're learning all of these lessons. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're not learning lessons. You're letting these kids kind of dictate what's going on. All right. And I'm all for kids having uh, the right to do whatever they want to do or whatnot. But that's not how the real world works. You have rules. There's steps, right? And you can make these decisions. Just understand that it's going to affect you later in life. So just give give some regular. Let them leave to your contracts. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Again, I think that it was a moral failure to not have college athletes that were effectively making uh, this institution and these individual programs millions not get paid at all. And not only that, but get punished for taking money from people, Mm -hmm. uh, for having someone pay, you know, airfare for something like really getting punished for what felt like these backwards and especially hypocritical ideas considering how much coaches were getting made. And I think it's kind of a, 
no offense, I think it's a lazy narrative to mm-hmm. say college athletes are getting paid and that's ruining it because it was always for the love of the game. No, it wasn't. It's always been transactional. When someone decides to go to Alabama and he lives in California, is it because he's always loved Tuscaloosa? Or is it because he's <laughs> going to Alabama? To you know what I mean? Oh, God, I love Alabama <laughs> and everything the state of Alabama has to offer, which is, I don't know, I'm sure some great barbecue places maybe. Who knows? But, like, <laughs> no, that player is going there because it is a transactional relationship mm-hmm. of knowing I'm going to go play on the biggest stage in college football with the best-known coach with all these NFL connections. That's a transactional relationship. I'm not going there because they have a great veterinary program. I don't have time to enter a veterinary program. I have to work out however many hours a day and and during finals go play in the uh, championship game or whatever. Like it's it's always been that way. The NCAA handled it incredibly poorly over the last decade. Spent what was O'Bannon? That case was like 2009 that that really started getting going. Like I'm a little three hundred dollar check. I think a little bit before that. (laughs) uh, They spent so many years trying to fight it with the belief that that um, you know any uh, state supreme court that any district uh, would just side with them and side with tradition, even though their legal argument was increasingly so shaky and not respectable. And what they should have done was recognize that their product was growing and evolving and culture was changing and they had a chance to save it from getting out of control and they did not. So now what they need to do is what the problem is now with NCAA is leadership because the same people that were asking to change the way they view this situation have been in power for so long. They come from a certain generation and are less likely to change the way they think. I don't, I'm not saying just because they're of a certain age, they won't change the way they think, but I think that things have been done the same way for so long that they're less likely to change the way that they think. So shake some things up, man. I mean, if you just talk about just, this human civilization in general, it's changed so much in a hundred years, so much in a hundred years has changed. Right. But for some reason, when it comes to um, NCAA and empowering their students and allowing them to make decisions, uh, they're so far behind. So now you're caught up in this race and they got a lap on you. So things have to happen more quickly, but there's nothing in the history of NCAA that says that they're going to, they're going to switch this thing and give some regulations. The one thing the NCAA did, I was so surprised happened so quickly when Kenny Pickett faked that slide, the next day they're like, you know, no more faking slides. That's enough. That's enough. Faking slide. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. The things that they decide to, uh, to go hard on and the things that they kind of just let marinate and fester for a little bit. So, man, I hope it changes. They have no choice but to change because um, these kids have a lot of power. They should have some power. Um, but it is, it's impossible to build a program right. if you are not a blue blood the way that it's going right now. And that's where the problem lies, right? That's where you've got to figure it out and figure out what to do. I'm an advocate for, um, you know, uh, there being a way for college athletes to make money just because of how much money is in college sports. It feels incredibly hypocritical. And if it was something like, oh, you get, you know, your degree and congratulations for you. No, you don't. That's your way to be on campus and we're going to let them major in whatever. You think that athletes have complete freedom to go to the library whenever they want and, and enter these competitive majors and try to get into med school? No, your schedule is what the football team needs mm-hmm. you to do. So yeah. let's let's stop pretending that it's student-athlete. It's athlete-student. Facts. But also... The other part of this um, is that there is a bummer aspect to it. I am a Husky fan. I went to UW, 
And I had so much fun watching my school this year, and I have no idea what my team is going to look like. You ain't like got a team. You know what I mean? I don't have a team. team. I have a quarterback. <laughs> uh, I got I got two defensive starters coming back, and then who else? I have Jed Fish. You know what back. I mean? I have a Jared running Coleman, back. Yeah. I have a running back who is really solid mm-hmm, with Arizona. Mm-hmm. That's really exciting. I mean, I think four players should be enough to get back to the national championship game. Frankly, no. All of us know how frustrating it is when your program uh, gets decimated. Uh, here I am talking to a Coug. Mm-hmm. You know how frustrating it can be oh, yeah. with with the way that everything happened with the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. Like, there are some problems with college football. Yeah, there is. And, and, and there's an opportunity now. There's an opportunity in front of the powers that be um, to change some things. Because if not, you're going to lose. So now what we see is we, are, we already see – coaches in college and the especially in college kind of jump ship and, and go from from job to job right Nick Saban has been a pillar in college football for 20 something years now right um you are going to you're, you're gonna guys aren't gonna have the opportunity to have the career that Nick Saban ha- has had over the years if things continue the way right the way that is, has been because the place with more structure is the NFL. So they're going to look, I'm going to do my job here. I'm going to bounce. I'm going to be, uh, love the dude, Kalen DeBoer. I'm just going to go from school to school to school to school. Boom, I get into the league. Like you want great men and women around these young people for as long as you can because you're helping build the, the future of America, right? Because there are no regulations, because it's easier for a coach to jump to another score, go into the NFL. All, all the, the character building has the potential to be lost so quickly within a five to ten year span. And, mm-hmm. and the Pac-12 was around for over 100 years. Look how quickly it vanished yeah. that way. So it's just let's let's present it as an opportunity now. Right. What can the NCAA do to, to regulate this thing while allowing these players to get the money that they deserve and keeping good leaders around these young people as long as you can? What do you do about coaches? I'm so on board. I don't think it's unfair to have players have to like sign some kind of contract because while I appreciate that transfer portal rules briefly made it a little more equal for players and coaches, I also understand how the transfer portal, that was my third thing that's mm-hmm. like completely altered college football. So if it's going to be, okay, hey, my proposal is that the NCAA should have, you know, it be something where schools can sign players to contracts if they want to, like sign a star guy. What about for coaches? Coaches can leave. Uh, but that's always, I mean, that's what it is. You know what? This goes to the NFL. You have to uh, the the school that you are potentially going to has to ask permission, like the NFL does, to speak to that guy. You have to because what do coaches do when they when they recruit these guys? They sit on their couch. I've been through this process. Pete Carroll sat on my couch. Um, I visited Nick Saban. You got Dooley. All these dudes, right? And they come in and they say, look. They promise you the world. You come to this university, I'll be there. And for four or five years, man, we're going to build this thing together. You're, you're a great part of what mm-hmm. we're doing. And they're lying to these kids because they know as soon as they get the opportunity, they yep. are gone. And you yep. know what? They should be striving for better, right? Kalen DeBoer should start at Sioux Falls and work his way all the way up to Alabama and have a chance to, to, to live and out his dreams. Him. But, like, let's... Let's put some let's put some 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 guidelines around this thing so these kids know exactly what they're getting to when they sign up to go to university with a head coach and now the coaches know what they're getting to when they sign a kid and say look all right two year contract let us convince you to stay here for two years if you ball out so be it you want to leave we even put some incentives on your contract make it a real professional type contract because that's exactly what it is. So I know we're cutting into headline rewrites and Curtis, feel free to jump in. I know you're a passionate college football fan as well. And also part of a former PAC 12 school now, big 12 shout out big 12. Um, 
is the direction college football is moving in now. We've talked about what it means for like culture and maybe some of the experience of these guys and some of the experience for smaller schools. Is it objectively bad for the product, the college football product? Guys jumping around? Just the way that it is right now. Like the idea of the bigger powers that be just feasting. Like, you know how there's that theory that eventually college football is just going to be kind of like the Big Ten and SEC, like mm-hmm. two major conferences with maybe some like other smaller divisions, but that that's ultimately where it's going. Is that objectively bad for college football? Um, it shuts out a lot of your audience. And it's I such a regional sport. It's good like, for the top. Yeah, it's yeah. good for the top. Yeah, you're having, I mean, all of a sudden you've got like as close to a pro team I mean, as you've ever right, had so in college. Let's, so let's have a real conversation. Yeah. People ain't tuning in to watch Kansas State play football like that. Yeah, no. People ain't tuning in to watch Nevada play football like that. I'm not. I mean, just like there are there, there are levels in life, there's levels in football too. People mm-hmm. ain't tuning in, even though, don't get it twisted, Washington State was one of the top four highest viewed teams in the Pac-12 every single year. But people ain't tuning in to watch Wazoo like no. that. No, but you know what you can do to get people to tune in? You snag yourself a five-star because you're able to pay this dude and say this, this our, our offensive coordinator or our head coach is going to be here for X amount of years and entice him to come. But there's always going to be levels. You, I, I hate the fact that I'm trying to make everything an even playing field. That's just not how things work. This guy's better at a job than this guy. He's going to get the money. He's going to get the promotion. This receiver's got crazy hands. This receiver's this big and can only block. There are things you bring to the table that make you more attractive than, than others. Same thing with these schools when it comes to football. They're going to get the better coaches. They're going to be on TV. There's a reason for that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's good for the people up top. If you're uh, down at the bottom, you got to hope you get a special team together every now and then. You build off of that and uh, and hope that uh, <laughs> they they don't come every 10 years, maybe every four or five years. Curtis, I agree. You lose that regional viewership and you know bump, like you mentioned, you lose some of those viewers. I wonder... If you guys agree that the NCAA, obviously separate from some of these bigger conferences, but like if I know as a Big Ten commissioner that every year I'm getting more and more money and more and more eyes on my product, that's only good for me. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, a ton of players from my conference are becoming first rounders and teams from my conference are competing in a national championship, especially now with an expanded field. If you're the NCAA, do you hate that? Maybe you're okay with the way that college football is going. Maybe. Well, yeah, because revenues have never been higher. Never, it's never been higher. The TV mm-hmm. contracts have never been higher. The viewership has never been higher. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're okay with certain programs dying and certain programs floundering because you're following where money is going and where viewership is going and not necessarily following any kind of principle you've had before about how to run things. Yeah, and that's where that's where it gets shady, right? That's where it gets gray. It's like, do we just let the weak, do we let the weak just die out? Um no, but I also think it's it's up to the leadership at those universities, the ADs, um, the head coaches, and then the alum too. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm gonna speak to WSU alum. Like, we got to do better when it comes to supporting our program. I, I talked to Coach Dickard. I talked to those guys over there who are involved in the collective. And you got to open up your pockets. If you are not gonna, if you're gonna sit there and complain about guys leaving and the talent that you get. And you and you have the means to do it. I'm not saying everybody. Everyone's in a different situation. But there are some names that went to Wazoo that have the means to support that that program. There are names that went to UW or in this community that have the means to support them, and they don't want to do it. So be it. Just don't be complaining about the product that you mm-hmm. see because there are ways around it. They just need to be supported because you don't have the the viewership that these other programs have. Um. 
We're not doing headline rewrites. We only have two more minutes. But I will turn to the Mac and Jack's text line, kind of figure out what some folks are saying here as part of this conversation. Um, but, 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 but if athletes are going to get paid millions of dollars then they should no longer receive scholarships and get their schooling paid for them, they can now afford to pay their own tuition to whatever school they decide to go to. That payday is now the incentive to be an athlete student. Now, I, I, the reason why I don't like that argument is because the money it, it, it takes to go to a school, a star player is producing 10 times that. Um, during their their time or their stay over there. And also, there are kids on campus getting academic scholarships as well. So people forget that. They think that the athletes are the only ones getting the scholarships. They get a lot, but there are kids walking around campus too that have their school paid for as yeah, well. Yeah, also, like, uh, I got fi- some financial aid when I went to UW. I made no money for Washington. Literally nothing I did brought more people to that school. Um, I wish that that wasn't the case, but <laughs> if anything, I drove them away. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. What about, um, let's see, now is the most important time for there to be parity, and we might have some of the worst parity. So we're going to see what happens here. Um, pointing out that, like, hey, college football as a whole feels like it's having less parity, but we've also now got this 12-team playoff. <laughs> <laughs> At a time when it was like yeah. more schools can Those go. Those early round games are going to be exactly rough watches. Yeah, at a time when it's like more schools can finally go. Is it ultimately just going to come down to the same six, seven, eight program? Probably, probably. Just that. like in the NFL and NBA, once there's a, a core group, right? You know that team's going to be around for five or six years, mm-hmm. man. Well, that was mm-hmm. a, a Jed Fish had mentioned that in his introductory press conference, like. I think he said like 12 to 14 teams total have ever made the college football playoff and Washington was one of them. Mm-hmm. And the college football playoff has been around for a decade. That's insane. And you're only seeing 14 of the 130-something FBS schools. Like, yeah, uh, the college football playoff might not look a lot different than what we've seen now just because those schools that continually make it uh, have set themselves so far apart. Uh, from the 360, uh, from Linden, the way college football is right now seems to be really good for top-level players that are getting paid and top-level coaches that can move up and use success as leverage. The problem is going to lie with average college football players. It seems to me they're kind of getting left behind. I don't think it's good for programs, aside from the people using the transfer portal to buy as much as they can. Again, the haves win. And that's a, it, it is interesting because there are... NFL success stories of players who were not success stories in college. Are those players going to get the same developmental opportunities? And I get that. Yeah. How it's always been. But goodness gracious, some kids are all American. Some kids just run down on special teams. <laughs> That's just what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Oh, God. I love this conversation, but we got to uh, we got a break and uh, we are going to uh, switch gears and talk cracking. Winger Jordan Everly joins us next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Kraken winger Jordan Eberly. Jordan, how's it going? It's going good. How you doing? Uh, we're well. Congratulations on a big win uh, last night. You guys snapped a, a four-game losing streak, but importantly, just blew the doors off of Chicago. Uh, do you guys, over the course of a season, ever celebrate individual wins, or is it just like, well, that one's in the books, moving on? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you take you take a moment after the game to celebrate. I mean, wins are tough to come by in this league, so you want to make sure you enjoy it. But, yeah, you move on. Um, obviously, we got a big game tomorrow against St. Louis. You look at the standings, it's... I mean, every game is 
that much more important moving forward. So tomorrow is no exception. What's the prep like for a game? Um, I know you guys, I mean, I played football, so I got a full week to kind of prepare for an opponent. Um, what, what's what's your prep like? Do you guys watch any film? You get a scouting report or at a certain point of the season, you kind of already know what you're getting out of a squad? Yeah, for, for the most part, our schedule is kind of game day off, game day off. But, I mean, those days off, we're, we're, I'm just leaving practice now. But, yeah, we, we break down usually the game, uh, the, the, the game we just played. So we would have broke down Chicago today. And you go over some things you can work on. You go over some things that uh, you did well. Um, and then moving into practice, I mean, a lot of the drills are tailored towards the team you're about to play, stuff that you're going to see or stuff that you need to really be good at to, to have success. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than football. We play quite a bit of games, but it's uh, you, you really have to change your mindset quickly. What was uh, uh, unique about entering the season this year? Because obviously with such a young franchise, everything is kind of new, right? And the goals are changing. Like when you first start out in the first year, I'm sure for you guys individually, it's like, I'd love to get to a Stanley Cup final, but it, that's, that's so hard with a brand new team. What were the goals this year and what was the feeling like entering the season? Well, I mean, much different feeling. Obviously, we were trying to roll with the success that we had the year prior, getting into the playoffs, winning it around. Um, you know, we, we, we made some huge uh, changes uh, after the first year, added some huge pieces and really made a leap in, in year two so coming into this year i mean like there was a, you can feel in the city there's a lot more hype around the team um just getting those playoff games and getting the, the the fans a chance to see what that was all about was huge for us and then that not only that but just the experience from the, the team getting a chance to play in that so we really wanted to build off what we had done the year prior uh we started a little slow we had a ton of injuries to start the year um i felt like we got some footing maybe in the last month and a half and we started to win quite a few games and we put ourselves into a position where, I mean, we're fighting for a playoff spot, and that's, I mean, at this time of the year, that's what you can ask for. So it's uh, now, now that we're there, we got to take advantage of it. What's um, what's something a fan or, you know, you guys have had your, your win streaks, right? What, seven, eight games in a row? Um, you just broke a, a losing streak. But what is it, Um, what's a common theme with your team when you guys are playing some good hockey? Well, I think the biggest uh, strength of our team is our depth. I mean, we have four really good lines. We have six really good D. Um, and when we're healthy and we're rolling, I mean, it's tough to, for the team to defend that. And I know a lot of the way the salary cap era is now, um, a lot of these teams, they have obviously superstars where they got, you know, three, four guys making an exponential amount of money and, and uh, they don't have the depth that we do. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times that we get favorable matchups when it comes to that. Um, you know, I, I like to think that when we're playing at our best and we're, we're playing well, we have four lines that are capable of playing against any of the other team's lines, and then obviously four lines that contribute offensively. So, I mean, that's a that's a dangerous dangerous combination, and a big reason why we had success last year. And, and you know, if we're going to have success this year, it's, it's going to be a big reason as well. God, you know, related to that point, Jordan, um, exactly like you said, one of the things that's been so fun about this team and kind of unique about you guys, in addition to Vegas, is there isn't one giant giant first overall pick superstar that everyone's watching. Everyone is a great player. Everyone's contributing and you never know where the offense is going to come from on any given night. And it makes you guys, you know, so hard to beat sometimes, but it also means that sometimes you have some surprise stars. Now you're a name that any Kraken fan knows clearly, but is there maybe a younger player or a newer name where you've been like, man, you guys got to pay attention to this teammate. I have, he is really doing special things. <laughs> um, you know what, guys that are playing really well this year, I mean, like Will Borgen on the back end, he's he's had a great year. I think he plays 
I mean, arguably harder than any guy on the team. I think he leads our team in hits and block shots and um, stuff that maybe goes unappreciated. But as a as a teammate, you respect that stuff. I mean, Ty Carche's rookie season, he's he's contributed offensively on nights. And um, but yeah, just up and down the lineup, we've had contributions. And um, you know, our guys are going to get hot. Guys are going to get cold. That's just the the, math, the 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 way of the game. It's usually how it works. But when you have that depth down the lineup it, it, like I said before it, it's just it's really hard to say excuse me if this is a dumb question but um you know like I said I played football so offense defense special teams and if one side is going playing well you know we talk a little trash like y'all better pick it up defense come on now we're doing our thing when you, you talk about the depth of your team and the lines that you have when there is a line that is hot is there some some internal competition going on there or are you guys just full support don't matter who gets the credit I like to think we're full support, you know, like, you know, but I think it's good to have that inner competition to teams. It makes teams better when you have a line who's really, you know, taking the, the reins on a lot of nights uh, as another line, you really want to contribute and it kind of motivates you. So, um, you know, I like to think that we don't care against the credit. It's uh, we're, I mean, hockey to me is like football. It's, it's the ultimate team sport. I mean, you really need to have everyone going. Um, there's, I mean, one, two, maybe three guys in the league who can do things by themselves, and uh, we don't have any of those guys. So, you know, it, it's fun to win that way, though. When you when you come in the locker room and you know it was a good team win, um, you know, that's how you build camaraderie. That's how you build team chemistry. And, um, that's what takes you far. Hey, I have a, kind of a random question before we keep going, but I've always wondered, Jordan, um, what's the etiquette and the unspoken rules of hockey fights? Of hockey fights? Um a good question. I mean, I might be the wrong guy to ask. I've got a few, but I'm, I know you're I don't not, know if not, I a big, not a big scrapper. <laughs> um, you know what? It, I like you know. It's it's a. I still think there's an unwritten coach league. You know, there's a gentleman's rule. If you make a bad hit or you make a stupid play, I mean, a lot of the times you have to answer the bell. But um, guys have enough respect in this league that once the fight's over, you see guys tap each other. Yeah. Um, you know, you you respect that goes into it that. Um, you know, that's a, that's a tough job. And when I first came in the league, it seemed like every team had two, three enforcers, and on a nightly basis, uh, they were fighting. So, um, like I said, that is a, that is a tough that's a tough job to have, and uh, a lot of respect to those guys. I know uh, our guy Yanni is day to day with an injury. One is a statement. I was, can you tell Yanni that he's my favorite player? I just love how scrappy this dude is, man. Um, but as a teammate, what is it about Yanni that makes him a good teammate and even a better hockey player? Well, Yanni, Yanni's actually not injured. He got suspended. He's, uh, he got oh, suspended snap. two games for a hit that he had. At now Bob likes him even more. Even more. <laughs> my yeah. God. Yeah, he's, he's coming back. Uh, he'll be back next game. But, yeah, Yanni, I mean, he's – He's uh, his, just the passion that he brings to the rink, his work ethic. Um, I mean, obviously, he's not a big guy, but, you know, I, I would not count him up in any, any battle, any fight. You know, he's a guy that you, you hate to play against and you love to have him on your team. And, and uh, he, he, uh, he brings passion. He brings energy to our group. And, uh, you know, he definitely is a, a big part of the heartbeat of the group. Hey, last question for me, Jordan, and it's actually about a foundation that you started uh, with your wife, Sticks and Strings. Um, I think I am always in awe of athletes when, in addition to having their pro career, it's like, oh, yeah, I have this huge charity on the side. But <laughs> It's just a really cool way to get involved. Uh, what, what prompted you guys to start this organization in particular? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I'm getting later in my career. We have two kids, and, um, 
you know, for, for us, I mean, we've been blessed with this game and, and uh, you know, just trying to give back. I think the fundamentals for us, I mean, obviously, sports has been a huge part of my life, giving me everything I have. My wife is really big into music. I'm also big into music. Um, so we were just trying to find foundation blocks. Um, I mean, we love reading to our kids and uh, trying to find things that we would like to give back with. So the pillars are obviously sports, music, getting kids into reading, uh, getting kids outdoors, which we love to do. My wife is big into hiking and, and getting the kids outside and active. And we were just trying to find uh, a way to, to, to give back in, in, in with those pillars in mind. So uh, we started a few years ago, and, and it's really taken off. So, I mean, I, uh, I try to do my part on the ice and, and build uh, viewership that way. But my wife, really behind the scenes, a lot of the work and we have a couple of things that we do in the summer when when i'm not playing hockey to, to try and raise funds for it well you guys have done such a great job with that charity i was reading about it earlier it sounds just so cool and obviously you're doing a great job on the ice doing a pretty solid job with two assists last night so we thank you for joining us jordan thanks so much thanks jordan no i appreciate having me thank you all right, thank you again to Kraken Winger. Jordan Everly joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. You know, earlier in the show, Bump, I was reading you the nominees for MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. We got four more categories we didn't even get to, and one of them includes a Seahawk that's coming your way next. You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Taking a look around the NFL, I am going to start by getting back to AP NFL honors. So earlier, Bump, I was <laughs> just reading you the awards and having you make a pick, and I enjoyed doing that. We went over MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, uh, and we got our nominees as Lamar Jackson. Did we settle on Dak Prescott for Offensive Player? I mean, that well, was my pick. you were between pick. that and Tyreek. Yeah. It was a hard, hard passing over Tyreek Hill, but I think we settled on Dak. Defensive player, uh, we were accused of T.J. Watt erasure with his 19 sacks, <laughs> but did settle on Miles Garrett and just yeah. what he was able to do mm-hmm. for Cleveland and kind of power them deep into the playoffs. Coach of the year we settled on between Dan Campbell and D'Amico Ryan. Yeah, I'm going Dan. I'm going Dan, too. Yeah. Let's get to the other four categories here. Um, now, this one is the least interesting of the four because we know the least about these guys. No, it's not for me. This is the one I'm most excited about. Assistant yes. Coach of the Year. Yes. The nominees are, I feel like I'm at an award show, Ben Johnson, <laughs> Mike McDonald, Todd Munkin. Oh, so Ben Johnson, OC with the Lions, Mike McDonald, DC with the Ravens, Todd Munkin, uh, OC with the Ravens, yep. uh, Jim Schwartz, Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick with the Texans and Jim Schwartz with the... Uh, who was he with? Who's with the Browns? Browns. Yes, yes, Browns. Browns. DC of the Browns. Jim, Jim's Jim been around for a little bit. I've written his name down. Yeah. Um, one, I love all these choices. Ben Johnson changed the game with the Lions. Mike McDonald kept the tradition going in Baltimore. Got Todd Munkin, who makes a move from Georgia over here to Baltimore. Jim Schwartz, OG in the game. And then young Bobby Schmurter, Slowick over there with the Texans. <laughs> um, I got to go I gotta go with the guy who has elevated one player's game and has shown that he can do something that a lot of people thought he couldn't do. That's Todd Munkin yeah. with the Baltimore Ravens and uh, his relationship with Lamar Jackson. Man, I like, I like, uh, I I mean, like Munkin. If Lamar is getting MVP, Todd Munkin presumably has to get uh, assistant coach of the year. That being said, Ben Johnson's offense looking absolutely phenomenal and Mike McDonald's defense. I mean, that's what's propelling him into a conversation yeah. about Seahawks head coach. Yeah, you got what? One, two, three, four of these guys were in talks when it comes to becoming a head coach. So 
Good for those guys. All are qualified. I wish I wish everyone could win, Stacey. Well, think of the as run. we've talked about Lil Bobby. <laughs> think of the run that Todd Monken could be on here. I know. Finished his Georgia career with back-to-back natties mm. and then could potentially win the Super Bowl in his first year with the Ravens. You didn't see the logo? He's winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, because, you know, it, right. it's Conspiracy the colors. Theory. And then I saw one that said the color that is less represented in is the, the logo one that is wins? the one that wins. And purple, I believe, I think is the. No, actually, I think it's red. It's I think a red little, is the less represented. Oh, well, I don't like yeah, that. It's a mind. little too interesting for me. You know, also, like, he was at Georgia. Ugga just died. And I feel like he would have wanted Todd to win. So I got to go with him. <laughs> Offensive rookie of the year. Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, Lions with some early representation, Puka Nakua, Bijan Robinson, CJ Stroud. Unfortunately, maybe fortunately, like the MVP, as soon as a quarterback enters the room when it comes to any type of award, you're probably going to lean towards him. But CJ Stroud does deserve this award. He's had a great rookie season. Um, if there was anybody I would pick over him, it would be Puka Nakua. But I love me some Sam. Laporta as well, man. But uh, no, I'm going CJ Stroud. It's, I think I'm going CJ Stroud as well. It is so hard to look past Nakua, who set NFL records, not yeah. Rams records, NFL records for rookie receiving yards and receptions. Yeah, if, if CJ don't I get it, it better mean, be Puka. I, it should be I Puka. I can't see it going. Bijan Robinson was the player of all of these that people were most excited by. I mean, CJ Stroud, I get a number two overall pick, and I see people looking, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I just, there were I, my memories of Bijan Robinson's rookie season with Atlanta was people complaining why we weren't seeing more from Bijan Robinson and like cool sky views of like cuts that he was making and all these great runs, but like his oh, man, stats weren't blowing me away. I mean, they struggled to find effective ways to use all their offensive weapons. I have more memories. I don't even know if his stats are better, but I have more memories of Jameer Gibbs than I do uh, Bijan Robinson. Me too. Defensive rookie of the year. We've got a Seahawk appearance. Devin Witherspoon, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Joey Porter Jr., and a name mentioned in our interview with J.B. Long, Kobe Turner. Man, um, of course, I'm a little biased, right? I watch this guy play all the time. So naturally, I'm going to lean towards my man, Devin Witherspoon, the number five pick. Now, with the number five pick, come high expectations, as it should. People said, look, we're not going to go with a position of need we're going to go with the best available player out there in their opinion that's that was the approach of the seattle mm-hmm. seahawks and they go with devin witherspoon what does he do was it his first or second start pick to the houses look i'm here fourth down bam i'm making tackles i'm getting after the quarterback he is the most exciting player on this defense right now now you look at uh kobe turner didn't watch a lot of them but his stats are legit joey porter jr how crazy is it that he's back with the franchise his dad was at Jalen carter had a good season and will anderson is a pro bowler now that max crosby is sitting out but i'm going with the home team Devin with a spoon. And the quickest category of the year, comeback player, Easy. Joe Flacco, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Tua Tungavailoa, and DeMar Hamlin. Easy. They, if they don't give it to DeMar Hamlin. My guy literally. What else, what else you coming back? He died. He came back from the dead. He died. <laughs> he has to My get guy, I understand the idea of like, oh, he came back from like this really bad elbow injury and nah. Joe Flacco came back from his house. Like all of that's really impressive, but... But did they die? Hey, did you die, though? DeMar. <laughs> it's DeMar. Big, he's out there playing, too. Truly, my guy put on a uniform and took a breath, and we were like, he won. Yes. He won. Yes. Okay, DeMar moving on. Hey, but big ups, uh, Joe Flacco, though. Love, love to see it. Shout out, Joe. On Get Up This Morning, next story, Adam Schefter gave some interesting insight on where things stand between the Falcons and Bill Belichick. Well, in this particular case, the Falcons have shown that 
they are interested in a lot of people. And in their own words, they described to me over the weekend that their coaching search after they met with Belichick for a second time is wide open. So if it's wide open after you've met with Bill Belichick twice, that certainly tells you that he's not the favorite for the job. He has not talked to any of the other three teams. So of the four teams with the remaining openings, there's the real possibility that he's not going to get any of these head coaching jobs. Don't surprise me. No one wants to give up the power. The other team that could have, like Jim already and said, we're rolling with Jim. No one wants to give up that power. Mm -hmm. How long is he going to coach? I think he's still valuable. I think he can still help an organization out. But, um, no, it doesn't surprise me at all. And then and Belichick seems like a guy that's an all or nothing. Like, look, man, I'm, I'm rocking with Atlanta or I'm sitting for a little bit. Um, a random story I'm just now adding to NFL headlines. I'm curious to hear both you and Curtis whether you think this is a lot. Uh, Patriots wide receiver, I hope I'm saying his name correctly, Kayshawn Boot. Uh, sure. was, a, was arrested for bets placed while underage um, at LSU. The number, So uh, he was creating an alias that claimed he was 21 or older to illegally bet on sports games while he was underage and attending LSU. The investigation is still ongoing, but between April 6, 2022 and May 7, 2023, the then 20-year-old placed over 8,900 bets. God, that's that so like many lot, bets. Right? Dang, that's, I, I, I don't even have that many tweets. That's hundreds a day. <laughs> God. Eight, 8,900 bets. What is the math year? on that? So it's so it's 380 days-ish. Let's 390 days. Like you do like divided 390. I just, put, I just divided it by a year. That's 24, 24. That's uh, 22. That's like 23 bets a day. That's cr crazy. Which, and you know he wasn't doing that every day, which means some days he was doing 40. Some days he was doing 50. Some days he was placing. Like, getting, that's not normal. Where are you getting that kind of money to, to bankroll that? They had to have been smaller bets. But here's the thing. So Shut at up. least 17 were on NCAA football games. And six of those were on his own football games. Mm. Uh, which makes me wonder, well, what were the other 8,800? <laughs> were you betting on, like, dude, Greyhound races? These, yeah, like, this, this dude's grown this up dude's with this technology. This is what he is. He's grown up with this technology. <laughs> How do you think you're going to get away with this? I don't know. You're not. That's well, so many. And, like, obviously sports gambling is getting more and more legalized around the country. But I think a lot of the – because a lot of the times it's college kids that yeah. are getting hung up with this uh, where it's like, no, you can't actually – wager on these games that you're participating in like that's highly yeah. illegal the line is getting gray you're listening to bump and stacy on seattle sports and the seattle sports app outside of finding a new head coach this is the most important thing for the seahawks this year